You are listening to the Hybrid Hospitality Podcast. If you're interested in the trends that are transforming hospitality and want to explore what the future of the industry might look like, then you're in the right place. This podcast is brought to you by Stay the Night, a creative marketing agency working with hospitality businesses around the world who are changing the way people stay, work and play. Hi, I'm Rosie Willen, co-founder of Stay the Night. And for our first ever episode, I'll be speaking with Hans Meyer, the co-founder and managing director of Zoku. Launched in 2016, Zoku are a pioneer in the hybrid hospitality space and created an entirely new category in the hotel industry, the home office hybrid. Currently located in Amsterdam, they will open sites in Vienna and Copenhagen later this year. Hans leads on concept development, design and branding, marketing, operations and strategic partnerships for Zoku. Prior to co-founding the brand, Hans was the initial creator and founding partner of Citizen M Hotels, where he was responsible for concept, creativity, design and development. In this episode, we find out how Zoku have innovated to successfully adapt their model to the pandemic. We discuss what attracts investors to the hybrid model and hear why Zoku favour mentalities over demographics when it comes to their marketing. Hans, welcome to the Hybrid Hospitality Podcast and thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. First of all, can you tell me how are things at Zoku and how have you adopted your business model to the pandemic? So uh, I think like with anybody in the industry, also Zoku has been hard hit. I think that's uh, I mean, impossible to avoid. So when the uh, first uh, ideas around the pandemic came, we built up a kind of a team that would follow the developments on a day-by-day basis. And of course, uh, when we were entering in a lockdown in Amsterdam, the first thing what we did is basically cut on cost immediately, cut on investment, also postponing investments. But pretty fast after that, we decided to stay open because we still had occupancy, especially in the long-stay segment. After that, we adapted the, uh, the entire concept to COVID-19, where everything in Zoku is basically built around that uh, we want to facilitate that people can effortless connect with each other. But especially this connection part became pretty difficult with all those social distancing rules. And we said, okay, we very much believe in physical distancing, but we first wanted to look for ways how we can keep the social distancing at a minimum. Because you can imagine during COVID-19, a lot of people actually stayed here away from friends and family. Sometimes they were stuck in the Netherlands and we just wanted to give them still a kind of this community feeling, which we obviously did with uh, technology. And we also did it with a kind of a buddy system where basically everybody of our staff checked in with a number of residents on a daily basis, just to feel how they were, uh, just to understand how they were feeling. Of course, we need to adapt the entire concept from a physical point of view, because we were not able, obviously, normally we have a table where 10 people can have dinner together, very close by, community dinners, uh, but that was not possible either. So the entire physical space needed to adapt. We had to create, uh, change all the signage, housekeeping procedures, all our operating procedures, cleaning procedures, trainings for our staff. So basically, that was a big change. Uh, but also, at that time, we also started to look, okay, our main target audience always used to be international business, and that uh, business wasn't there anymore. So we said, okay, 
uh, how can we adapt our concept to still move towards another part of the uh, spectrum, which is basically domestic leisure, which we did during the summer months. And we were absolutely successful uh, in that, very happy about it. But also we felt this is an exceptional, exceptional situation because uh, since the opening of Zoku, we were always above 90% occupancy. And uh, we uh, obviously were not uh, at those kind of levels. So we said, okay, this is also an interesting era to experiment, to try out new business models. So, for example, we have the big uh, luck that within Zoku and Zoku Loft, the uh, bed, the most important piece of furniture into the room because we've hidden the bed and the kitchen table is paramount. That's the place where you can have a cappuccino, where you even can have a meeting with four people during the day and uh, have a dinner evening. So that loft, we could easily sell it as workspace for people who needed to work from home but didn't want to work from home. So we introduced the work loft. And then we also found out that more and more people wanted to meet with one or two people in the loft, which also was possible. We already had the hotel room and the service department function within the same space. But then also we start to think, okay, how can we extend and how can we stretch our business model even further? And then we started with an initiative which we called Better Together. And the idea of Better Together was basically to create unconventional partnerships with all other parties that also would suffer, uh, were suffering from COVID-19. So the first thing we did is we teamed up with Joris Bijendijk, which uh, Joris is an, well, one of the most famous chefs here in the Netherlands, Michelin star chef. And we said, okay, if we can, from the Zokolovs, can create a kind of a spacious micro-apartment, this private workspace, this meeting space, can we also create a private restaurant from that? So we basically built uh, the biggest collection of private restaurants in the Netherlands. We had 50 of those lofts reserved for that, and we sold out, and people got a four-course Michelin-star dinner in their lofts. Joris uh, connected everybody uh, through Zoom, and in the corridor at the end of the day, after dessert, we created musical entertainment. That was basically the start of something we felt, okay, we can experiment even further than uh, our traditional model. We uh, repeated these kind of events uh, with a number of partners here in, uh, in Amsterdam. And for example, uh, last Saturday, we teamed up with the Parade, which is the largest Dutch theater festival. And we basically made micro theaters out of the Zogulovs, where we combined food, drinking, and entertainment in the corridor again, while uh, meeting all the guidelines which we had, but still be, being able to give people a fantastic experience where everything in Amsterdam, all the restaurants, bars, everything is closed. So that was interesting. And what we continue to do now is to even stretch the model even further. So yesterday I did a LinkedIn post and I also asked my network, what kind of other ideas do you have? So basically cutting costs, uh, postponing investments, adapting your concept, but at the same time, using this period as a fantastic opportunity to experiment and stretch your model. Right. And the partnership with Parade, that sold out, right? Yeah. I saw that it sold out and you're going to repeat. We have decided to repeat and also that uh, that is running fast as well. But for example, the market in uh, Amsterdam, I think, does this weekend, for example, 10, 12%. And we are, uh, most probably, we will be at 92% this Saturday due to these kind of events, which, of course, we don't have every day. But at the same time, uh, we still feel that we have the, the options to basically focus on different segments due to the fact that we have such a hybrid 
and flexible product. Yeah, that's amazing. And so innovation has obviously been so important during this time. You can see that the businesses who've succeeded across sectors are those who've been able to innovate and react quickly. And so how do you create from a business perspective an atmosphere behind the scenes at Zoku that facilitates that? Well, first of all, uh, every company has uh, organizational values. And one of our values actually within the company is always better. And always better means for us, basically, that Mark, uh, co-founder, and I always want to foster innovation and experimentation. So we give a lot of uh, opportunity to our teams to actually come up with great ideas, but also test them. And before we uh, go to test those ideas, we basically adapted lean startup principles, so create a kind of minimal viable product, define in advance when it's a kind of success, and if you fail, fail fast. And apart from that, I think we have a fantastic creative team that can think beyond the obvious. I mean, of course, you can think about, okay, I'm doing not that well. Let's try to create a package where I include a bike or something or a boat ride, but those things a lot of hotels actually are doing. So what we try to do is to challenge each other to think beyond, to think further. And then maybe sometimes we end up with crazy ideas, uh, which initially sounded crazy, but actually worked extremely well. Yeah, that's great. And so to talk about the hybrid model a little bit more, so Zoku were the first to bring the home office hybrid to the market back in 2016. And since then, it's fair to say that the model's been adopted quite rapidly across the industry, especially over the past year. How do you see the concept evolving now? And do you think it could be the end of the traditional hotel model? Well, I don't think, uh, to be quite honest, that the traditional hotel model will die. At the same time, I think there are much bigger opportunities for hybrid models. The truth is, is that when we uh, created Zoku, we basically had a few markets. So first of all, within the travel market, we focused on hotel market, one to four nights, short stay market, five nights until 28 nights, and long stay market, which was always longer than 29 nights. And that means that we always could find a kind of an optimum between those different segments where we would allocate our inventory to. After that, we basically created the co-working concept within Zoku. So what a lot of hybrid hospitality brands are doing is actually they they dedicate co-working space within their premises. Basically, what we did, we stacked it onto our normal space. So I think the secret of Zoku is a little bit that we stack different business models on the same square meter. And after hotel, short stay and long stay and office market, we also found out, okay, we can even go into residential, meaning co-living, because you can stay in Zoku for one night, you can also stay there for nine months. Recently, we learned about that we even can use the Zoku Lost as event space. So I think the most interesting part of hybrid is if you're able to stack different business models on the same square meter, basically what you, you're going to create 168 hour per week revenue opportunity. So that means theoretically here at Zoku, a person could stay at Zoku for the night between seven o'clock in the evening and say eight o'clock the next morning. And then the next morning, uh, housekeeping comes in and from nine until five, we can rent out a space again as private workspace. And then somebody else can take that space in the evening again. I think that's an interesting uh, development that hybrid, uh, real hybrids that they have. And I think that definitely will evolve uh, into uh, more brands. Yeah, for sure. And so just to touch on that and take that further, 
you introduced a monthly co-working membership at Zoku, whereas some businesses would go for a more casual working from a lobby approach. So what are the benefits to a monthly membership, would you say? Well, the thing is, I mean, what happens now is that a lot of companies, they found out that actually they don't need an office that bad. For working eight hours behind your laptop, you can also do that from other spaces. So it's interesting also for hospitality players to think about, okay, what's happening in the office market? Because also there, you see that the borders start to blur between hospitality and office. There's a huge opportunity. If you look to a lot of consultants like McKinsey and JLL and these kind of advisories, they all feel that the workplace will be a kind of a workplace ecosystem where people can go into offices, they can work from home, but they also can work from those kind of third places. Now, the interesting part is if you now lease an office, you need to, for example, sign a 10-year lease. You have to give a lot of guarantees. Then you have to invest in the fit-out. You need facility management. And most of the time, you're not that flexible because it's not very easy to grow or to uh, shrink as a kind of a company within a given contract. The interesting part about hotels is they are used to rent out their spaces day by day. And there are also social spaces. And when the office of the future will be a space where people love to be social, where people love to collaborate. And that's already what we can offer, offer today. So within Zoku, people, people can come to work for a day or they can buy a monthly membership. And within Zoku, they can choose, okay, I now need some focus space. So I'm going to into a work loft where it's fully silent. I can do my calls. I can have private conversations. And at the same time, if I want to work a little bit more in the vibe and uh, I want to have some people around me, then I go to the uh, social spaces and I'm going to join one of the events that we are organizing for those members. Yeah, and I think that really shows how you put your members' needs and audiences' needs at the core of what you do because... We use a a co-working space for stay the night and to give people those multiple options in one space is really good and it's exactly what you need. You hear people complaining about, oh, I couldn't get a meeting space. It was too loud to have that meeting in the shared space. So it's things like that that I think the places that succeed with the co-working concept are going to have at the heart of what they do. And so you also mentioned co-living a little while back and I think this is something that's another growing trend. And as more people move towards the work from anywhere lifestyle, it's only going to grow more rapidly. And so I know that you experienced this yourself when you were kind of adopting a digital nomad lifestyle while researching for Zoku. Can you tell me more about this experience and what insights you took from that? Yeah, sure. We are very strong believers that you need to put your future target audience in 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 the center of everything you do. So when starting with Zoku, I first interviewed 150 people from the target audience, basically those uh, digital nomads that you were referring uh, to. And often you can ask people what they want, but I also learned that people don't often know what they want, but they know very well what frustrates them when working and living internationally. That was a kind of created a lot of insights. But after that, I felt, okay, if I really want to learn my target audience and my target audience's needs, then I need to step out of my own shoes and step in their shoes. And that was basically the start of a six-month experience where I stayed two months in Buenos Aires, two months in Washington, D.C., and two months in Bali, running my company remotely. And the interesting part is I'm not a very shy person, but what I also learned in all those kind of cities, as soon as you know a number of people, your level of happiness almost grows exponentially because then it really starts to feel a little bit like home. 
where during my research, I found out that 90% of the people told me that if you go to a city that you don't know, where you don't speak the language, that after a few days, weeks, you start to feel a little bit disconnected. You start to miss your friends and your family, and maybe the food of your mom or your dog, whatever. So the interesting thing was basically that it was crucial to create a kind of a social structure. Now, the only segment who really got that pretty well is the hostel segment. Because, I mean, what often happens in a hostel, you stay there for the night, you jump out of your bunk bed, and then you say, okay, I'm going to grab one coffee and then I'm going to explore the city. But after two hours, you're still on the, behind a big table with a lot of people you didn't met before. Now, there is a moment in your life that you don't want to sleep in a bunk bed anymore with 40 people in, a, in one big room. You don't want to shower in the corridor. Uh, you want to have your own private bathroom. And that's basically that we try to bring together some of those very sophisticated elements with some very smart elements from the hostel world. And that's why the social spaces where we basically facilitate effortless connection between people became fundamental. And I think this was the greatest insight uh, that the social part is so crucial from my uh, uh, living and working uh, experience. Yeah, absolutely is. And I think we were in a webinar earlier where we were talking about doing your research into your audiences and going beyond just the demographics like age, location, gender to really understand the values and motivations. And I think you've previously mentioned that you believe in mentalities over demographics and this is something that we at stay the night kind of push with our clients can you explain why this works when it comes to marketing for zoku well first of all uh, i don't believe in demographics at all anymore because i know people from 50 years old they behave like 30 and the other way around as well and at the same time what is the fundamental uh, or a critical success factor from a community is that there is like-mindedness between the people. But what we also uh, learned is that Zoku is a real hybrid. So that means you can sleep here, you can work here, you can relax here, you can meet here, all those different things. So from a branding point of view, it's a little bit complicated because you offer so much. But what connects everything within what you offer is basically the mentality of the people, that you basically are focusing on a certain... Uh, mentality of people that you want to be the best possible product for. So what we see now here is that, for example, there could be a local person from Amsterdam, but he or she likes this international vibe and also likes to work here in Zoku. While at the same time, there's a kind of an international, maybe coming from the US or from Asia, that also would love to meet those local people. And I think this kind of cross-pollination within uh, within the concept that we actually actively facilitate with a dedicated community manager, that creates a lot of value. So if you compare that to a traditional hotel model, there's always putting a head in a bed, that's our business model. For us, it's really bringing people together and that really pays off. Yeah, that's really interesting because as you say that, I think of my traveling memories from backpacking and some of the most interesting people I've met are people who are locals outside of probably my age group in those conversations around the bar or however that comes about. And so I think having that mix does benefit everybody. Absolutely. I often compare a lot of hotels to embassies. You only go there when you, you, you need to be there. Well, we have a kind of a much more open structure here because a lot of, I mean, a lot of people who actually stay with us for longer periods, obviously those 
people are internationals, but the majority of the co-working members, those ones are locals. And I think th this is really interesting if you bring those people together. Yeah. And so we might have covered a little bit of this already, but in their recently released IPO, which I know you've read, Airbnb revealed that their bottom line had benefited from the move towards remote working. So what are the key advantages for guests of staying at Zoku versus an Airbnb apartment? Is it just the community or what is the... Well, I think the most important thing is that what Airbnb can't do is to pro provide the social structure that we actually can. I mean, obviously, Airbnb has great apartments, not so great apartments, different price levels, different qualities. Obviously, that's that's something that you buy into Zoku. You can easily see, okay, the review score is a 9.2. Uh, you can actually uh, see the, uh, the product in very much detail in advance. You can read about a lot of reviews. It's basically kind of an uh, easy, accessible product. There's 24-7 uh, staff on site. These kind of uh, advantages uh, we offer. But I think that the most important difference relates to this social structure. I mean, if you talk to the target audience and if you talk to companies who actually uh, bring their people here, they see that as the biggest, uh, biggest added, added value, that a lot of people describe Zoku, especially long-stay residents, it feels a little bit like your extended family. And that's something that uh, not a lot of Airbnb apartments can offer. No, definitely not. And I think from our experience with our own clients, it's something that guests really like. When we post about staff at certain sites, those posts will get the most comments and things on Instagram with people feeling like that's their friend. And, you know, that's what that sort of atmosphere facilitates for sure. Yeah. And so just to talk about your sites. So as you expand into new locations, because something about the hybrid model is that it's so individual, and people like those individual sites that almost feel like independence within a chain, I suppose. So how will you strike the right balance between standardization and personalization at Zoki sites going forward? So the interesting thing is, I mean, it's absolutely interesting what you say. I mean, if you want to grow, and from a cost point of view, you need to standardize certain things. But at the same time, for example, I give you an example about the loft. Uh, the loft will also in Copenhagen and uh, Vienna from a lot of tweaks that you actually will not notice. I mean small updates, a little bit like uh, like software, they will uh, look more or less the same. But for example, in each location, we have a kind of an art collection built in the corridors where we actually give people the opportunity to personalize the space. That's, that's a kind of a small, we thought, gimmick, but actually people like it a lot because they actually have influence onto their own space. Then if you look to the social spaces, definitely, I mean, the buildings that we are uh, are different, both in Amsterdam and in Vienna and in Copenhagen, the social spaces on the roof level. We like it so much to bring in so much daylight, to bring in a lot of green and these kind of uh, quality aspects. So you will definitely recognize Zoku. But whereas a little bit the difference then, then I would use the ga uh, gallery as a kind of a metaphor. So the gallery in itself is not that special. What happens if you really put the art in it? And for example, in the cinema, the same thing. And the quality depends on the programming. So what we obviously do also in, uh, in the other cities is to work together with local networks to basically bring those people into Zoku. And then again, those cross-pollinations are going to happen. So it's basically focused on getting the right, nice local people in. And then it uh, it works out, and that really gives the local atmosphere. And of course, we adapt our food and beverage. We adapt all even our services uh, to more kind of an, uh, local characteristics. As you say, it's, it's finding kind of an, uh, a right balance. But I'm pretty convinced that we will not make cookie cutters 
in the future, but we are able to give it a kind of a personal and a local twist uh, to Zoka that people will appreciate. Yeah, for sure. I think it's that balance between, so for guests, it's knowing that they're going to get the same quality Zoku experience, but in a yeah. slightly different environment each time that kind of reflects that locality. And just on that note, finally, what's in store for Zoku in 2021? I think the most important thing is, I think, for any operation in 21, is the path to recovery so that markets uh, are going to re- recover. And hopefully that will happen somewhere from Q2, uh, next year, I'm, uh, I'm expecting that Q1 will remain difficult. And for us, the most important thing is then the opening of both Copenhagen and Vienna, because basically tripling our portfolio within, uh, say, the next uh, six uh, months and make those three properties very much appreciated by both the local as well as the international target audience. I mean, if again, there we are able to get the very high review scores that we were able to get here in Amsterdam and also that the operations run successfully, I think we would be very happy and we would be very proud. For sure. I think big things are ahead. So thank you so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. That was great. Some great answers there and insights. Very welcome. For those listening who want to find out more about Zoku, you can visit their website at www.zoku.com livezoku.com we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the hybrid hospitality podcast don't forget to subscribe if you'd like to be the first to hear about new episodes we'd love it if you could leave a rating and if you'd like to follow us on social media you can do so just search stay the night on linkedin or head to at stay the night co over on instagram for more information about what we do visit www.staythenight.net until next time thanks for listening